0: As many of you know, I'm uh, from Montrose, and some of my family's here today. I'm sorry about that. Um, (laughs) But uh, they'll tell you it was a curious thing, 1210 Baptist churches, yeah, and 14 bars. (laughs) I'm just saying. All right, so you knew there were Catholics there, and we... When I was young, we went to a a church nearby, and I don't know if you guys, well, of course you remember this. A priest literally got up, and he was just not happy with us people at his church, and he talked about how there's a bunch of pigs uh, feeding at a trough that's not theirs, and that was his subtle cue for us to go somewhere else. Yeah, it worked. Uh, So we built a Catholic church there in Montrose. And the response of the community was interesting, uh, but mostly it manifests in efforts to convert us. Yeah? And I remember when my neighbor came over and he said, hey, uh, we, the gym's gonna be open, do you wanna go over there and play ball? And all I heard was blah, 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 ball, yes. So we went there and there were a bunch of us Catholic boys there, but before we could go in the gym, we had to sit down and hear a presentation on how we need to accept Jesus. And, uh, and it was kind of funny because right before they did, they said, everybody sit down. Now, who brought a guest today? And a bunch of hands went up. Everybody brought a guest. And then they said, well, then come on up and get your candy bar. And again, I heard blah, 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 come get your candy bar. So I got up and went there to get my candy bar. But no, that was the prize for bringing someone, not the prize for being there. And thus I'm still Catholic. Um, I could have been bought at that age. I want to be clear. You know, it's one of those things where at the time, I confess, I was pretty irritated. I just wanted to play ball, right? And I felt tricked into going. Now, on the positive side, my neighbor got a candy bar, and I'm all about the love, yeah? But as I got older, I truly did see a real beauty in someone concerned about my soul. There is something really lovely about someone who cares about our souls. My neighbor bought it. He was all in on Jesus. And so in his thinking, well, I need to get that guy in, all in on Jesus. I was, but they didn't know Catholics were Christian. Well, no, it's true. (laughs) Trust me. But here's the key. What he did, he did because he loved God and he cared about me. And that was a gift he gave me. And I'm grateful. When you and I find something that works, our tendency is to tell people about it. I know this because I have bad lungs and meltdown sinuses. And every time, uh, beautiful people like, you need to do this, right? If you do this, it'll go away. Uh, If I die, it'll go away. I'm clear on that. But everything else, who knows, yeah? But why are people telling me that? Because they care about me. And they found something that worked. This is something really kind of key to our gospel. Because this happens in every gospel, but a lot more in Mark. Namely, someone has an affliction, and that person's friends drag them to Jesus. Now, I think that's pretty clear for us, isn't it? Us who wonder, like all the time we hear, well, we need to evangelize, we need to evangelize, and... When I was at MSU, where where Jesus went to school, I saw a lot of evangelization that involved trying to get Christians to change churches, right? Uh, I saw a lot of evangelization that involved standing in key places and yelling at everyone. But true evangelization is at core just this. I'm broken, and I found something. And I want you to experience it too. It's better than preaching. And it's something I think we might want to consider. That when we're out in the world, we encounter need. Sometimes it's physical need. People are hungry, people are thirsty. And I love, love, love our beautiful ministry to the poor. I do, I've never seen anything like it. But there's also spiritual need. There's emotional need, and you and I can respond to it by either saying out loud or in our heart, oh, I know what'll help. For me, it involves, you know, that employee who's getting crunched, to just, oh, Jesus, bless them, be with them, give them strength. To see someone who's falling apart a little bit and to remember to stop and pray. I'm lucky, I don't know if you know this, I'm a priest kind of a big deal, uh, and we have a uniform, black shirt, white collar, so if I'd say to someone, I'd like to pray over you, that's a little more socially acceptable, I get, than if you do, but if Jesus ever calls you to it, we'll get after it, and somebody at work tells you how hard things are right now, always say and do this. Hey, man, I'll pray for you. That's tough. And, again, if you're feeling saucy, would you like me to pray over you now? And you don't have to do the these and that. You know, just, Jesus, help my friend. Give him strength. Amen. You don't have to do a soliloquy. You don't have to uh, launch some, you know, eight-page exegesis. You just, Jesus, you see this need help. That's bringing people to what works, because I hope that's why we're here. I hope that what compelled you and I to get here this morning is the knowledge that we need help. That to do the most basic moral good is harder than it should be. To recognize that my pride, my anger, my gluttony, all of whatever, pick four of seven, of the deadly seven, yeah? and I need help because left to my own vices I'll be selfish I'll be cruel I'll be right and so if you're like me that's that's why we're here and when James in our second reading talks about how in the early church the big problem was when the smelly poor came in everybody was like yeah we got a nice section in back for you yeah And James was very scripturally saying, knock it off. I don't think we do that today, I pray not. If so, I'll be coming by, yeah? But I think we do it spiritually. I've seen it. We forget that falling in love with Jesus and following him is a process. And when someone makes the mistake of doing it wrong, or saying it wrong, man, we're on it. Knock it off. If you ask people in society what the church teaches about anything, you know what they can tell you? All the stuff they're not supposed to do. Because that's our imitation of evangelization. If you look, if you look at the Gospel, you see Jesus really had to work for this miracle. Did you notice that? What's the first thing he did? This guy's buddies bring him to Jesus, and Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to get you away from them. He steps away from the crowd, and what does it say? He, he had trouble because the whole crowd lacked faith. Do we lack faith? Do we lack faith that the person who's just taking those tiny infant steps toward Jesus, do we lack faith in the process so we make sure and fix them Make them a Catholic like us, because we're pretty good, huh? We want everyone to love Jesus at least as much as we do, yeah? But that's a process. We don't want to be the crowd that stops the miracle, because we can't believe how little progress... I I can't believe you don't know that. I can. You wouldn't believe what I don't know. How about you? What I don't know would fill every library in the world. And so like the new people or the people just coming into faith, I've got miles and miles to go. So how could I not be patient with the spiritually poor, with the first steps? I hope this is making sense because to me it's really key. I have a buddy who, uh, he's, what am I, 50, so yeah, he's one year younger, he's 50 years old, and he still won't go to church, and I've been beating him over the head with this for years, right? But I'll never forget the best and worst thing he ever said to me was when we were at some school in Ann Arbor, and he, (laughs) so sorry, you know, I repented for that. Um, But he told me, and he was dead serious, Joe, I live in an apartment, that shares a parking lot with a Catholic church. And man, they flee like someone phoned in a bomb threat the so- as soon as mass is done. Yeah, he always said, I know when the last song starts because, whoa, they don't leave the stadium that quick. And to him, it's so crazy, but I get it. He was like, well, clearly it doesn't have value to them. They can't wait to get away from it. That's stuck in his head still. Twenty-some years later, and, and I don't care if you flee. I get it, right? There's breakfast to be eaten, but here's the key. We, <laughs> that was so stupid. Uh, yeah, I'm going to regret it. The bishop's going to call. Did you? Yes. I, I'm sorry. I, I blame the deacon. Um, Guys, we need Jesus, and we, I hope we get that. And Jesus is not just okay with our need. That's the way it's set up. He wants us to cling to him. But can we be a little more tender with the new clingers to Jesus? Can we be not so gosh darn busy yelling, knock it off. You need to change this. And can we just let people love God and have faith in the process? This way Jesus doesn't have to pull people away from us. And this way, Jesus, if you'll excuse the image, doesn't have to work so hard. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a wreck. And I know God's okay with that. That he's tender and slow because I'm so tiny and breakable. And he doesn't ask me, get it together so that I can love you. He invites me, because I love you, see how much worth that gives you. Live that worth. Live that dignity. Grow in holiness so you can accept the love better. And when we embrace that, then when we see the process, we're not saying, hey, good first step, but here's what you're doing wrong. Instead, we're just celebrating that love gained just one more inch in that angry, afraid world. So thank you, Jesus, for how tender you are with us, how slow and merciful. Help us to bring people to you and then get out of the way so that they too can love Jesus and find the healing we all crave. Amen.